Thanks be to God. sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. The second time, he sent other servants, saying, Tell the invited, Behold, I prepared my banquet, my calves and fattened calf are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads, and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
with the births of my godsons, goddaughter, and nieces over the years, the, the remembrance of all different stories and books that my mom would read me before going to bed came to mind. It strikes me as odd that books that I might have read a year or two ago kind of fade from memory very quickly, but I can immediately tell you all about the monster at the end of the book, which, spoiler alert, was Grover from Sesame Street, or Me Too Iguana, which was possibly targeted to me as the youngest who always wanted to do what his brothers were doing, or The Giant Jam Sandwich, one of my favorites, about a unique way that this town dealt with their wasp problem, not white Anglo-Saxon Protestants like the bugs. Anyway, all those images and those stories being told at such an early age were a part of some of the earliest memories that they're kind of hard to forget. But one book that's always stayed with me has been The Giving Tree. Have any of you read that? It's the story of a, a boy and a tree who are able to talk to each other. And it starts out, the boy is this little kid who would play in the tree, eat her apples, fall asleep in her shade, and the boy loved the tree, and that made the tree happy. But as the boy became older, things started to change. The tree still wanted the boy to play and enjoy the tree as he used to, but the boy explained, I'm too big to climb, and I want to have things, I want money. And the tree explained that she didn't have money to offer, but she said, you can have my apples and you can sell them and you can get money from that. So the boy did that. He climbed the tree, took the apples, sold them and left. And then he's gone for a while, some years in fact. And then the boy comes back and needs a home for his family. So he returns to the tree and the tree's happy to see him again, but says she doesn't have a home to offer him. So she offers her branches to be cut and to be used so that he can be built into a home. And he does just that. He cuts them down, uses them, leaves the tree all alone again for years. Then the boy, now this middle-aged man, wants a boat, as he puts it, to take me far away from here. Now, I'm not quite sure what happened with the wife and the kids that all of a sudden the guy needs to get out of town, but I digress. The tree offers her trunk, and so he cuts it down. Now there's only a stump left. And years later, the boy comes back and the tree says, I'm sorry, boy, I have no apples left for you to eat. My branches are all gone. You can't swing from them. The trunk is gone. You can't climb on it. And the boy explains he can't eat apples. He's too old to swing and he's too frail to climb. He just simply is tired. And the tree offers a stump as a place to rest, which the boy does. And the book ends and the tree was happy. And there was something always kind of beautiful and incredibly sad to me about that book. Obviously, as a young kid being read the book, I didn't know that there was any controversy that was attached to this thing, especially since it was published back into 1964, which was 10 years before I was born. I'm not that old yet. But anyway, uh, a few years ago, the school library journal called it the most divisive book in children's literature. Leave it to Ma Churn to like, wreck my world that she has to give me like the most divisive book in children's literature and read it to me before I went to bed. Anyway, some saw this as this beautiful story illustrating selfless love. Others were more negative saying that the boy and the tree had a sadomasochistic relationship, which, all right, okay, did not see that. Anyway, 
And many people espoused all these different interpretations of what this meant. The tree represents God or Jesus, and the boy represents humanity. The tree represents Mother Nature, and the boy represents humankind. The tree and the boy are friends, or the tree and boy had this parent-child relationship. I don't know. If you didn't know the story before or hadn't thought about it much since, I'd probably destroy this for you by now. But I can remember even at a young age always feeling weird about this book to the point of I remember very clearly saying to my mother one night, why doesn't the boy ever say thank you? Whether the tree was meant to represent my parents or grandparents or God or Jesus, as a kid I got the idea of unconditional selfless love but the lack of gratitude on the boy's part that he simply came to the tree used her took her apples branches even her trunk and leaving her stump and then just using that well in one sense it was kind of beautiful to see that the tree found joy in giving herself so selflessly I kind of felt like the boy's a jerk I mean even as a little kid I'm like what a jerk the kid is anyway that whole story came to mind reading this somewhat bizarre parable that Jesus offers us tonight. The Gospels over the last few Sundays have contained parables that are getting more and more direct and containing really obvious warnings to the initial listeners especially. If you went back and reread them, you can almost hear these, these drumbeats growing louder and louder as Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem where he will be betrayed, he'll be set up, and condemned to a horrible, torturous death, all of which Jesus sees in his future. Yet his love for all of humanity to come to realize his selfless, his unconditional love, that that's being offered, it compels him to still reach out to them, to recognize the gift that he's offering with this intimate friendship with him. As they keep ignoring these warnings, and continue to scheme and plot his end. To understand tonight's parable, though, you need a little bit of historical context, especially this last part with this poor schmo who seems to come to a feast without the wedding tux and then is thrown out kind of nasty. In Jesus' time, a wedding would have been announced with the day, time, and location to be determined later. So a guest would be invited with the expectations that when the preparations were completed for this seven to ten day celebration, you would be prepared to go and attend it. This wedding garment that the guy shows up without, well, he would have already been offered that by the host of the wedding. So this guest must have refused it or forgot it or decided he didn't need it. Basically what you're seeing in this entire episode is the ugliness of ingratitude. There are those who are disinterested and just reject the invitation outright. There are others who decide they'll come on their own terms. At the last minute, nothing better comes up, so yeah, we'll check it out. Unfortunately, it seems that in our world where friendship seems to be defined as clicking an accept button on Facebook and maybe liking a few things here or there, for many people, those types of behaviors or responses might seem acceptable or understandable. For Jesus, though, he's making a very clear point about what friendship with him means. Yes, he's willing to go to hell and back for us, literally. But there needs to be response on our part. 
It's not enough to, to think about it for a moment and think, well, that's nice. When I have some time, I should think about that some more. It's not enough to show up when we're ready for it on our own terms and somehow think, God should just be happy I squeezed in some time for him. We have to recognize God's not demanding us to be slaves and that he's some sort of a taskmaster. In Jesus Christ, he's revealed as a loving, merciful father. And in the gift offered of himself on the cross for you and for me, we have become God's sons and daughters. And that gift demands at a very minimum a thank you. The way we express our gratitude is by doing what we're doing right here, here tonight, which is worship. For example, did you know that the word Eucharist means thanksgiving? So it's not just that we receive Jesus' body and blood in the whole Eucharist and that we receive his word in these scriptures that were just proclaimed to us. This whole event of mass is meant to be our worship, our thanksgiving to God for all that he's done for us. And in that, we receive this selfless, unconditional love of God in return. And we begin to express our gratitude as humbly and meekly as we can with the hopes that as we go forth, as we're dismissed, we're going to use the gift of freedom and look for opportunities to look for God and all the opportunities put before us to be selfless, to be loving, to be forgiving, to care for someone who's in need, to invite others to this feast that we're privileged to be a part of, that we're all invited to. And in doing that, the real, the true, the eternal giving tree, which is the cross, doesn't become an object that we just take something from, but a life-giving tree that continues to grow and continues to nourish us and to bring us life and to bring salvation to the world.